first anniversary of my dad's passing, these few verses come to mind. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. I took you from the ends of the earth, from its farthest corners I called you. I said, you are my servant. I have chosen you and have not rejected you. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Today's reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning to read at verse 12. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that, honor, that, are, that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with some special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now I eagerly desire the greater gifts. This is the word of the Lord. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer, shall we? Lord Jesus, you are the reason that we are here this morning, and we thank you that we are not just a group of individuals, but that we have been sovereignly called by your Spirit to know you and to follow you and to love you. And so this morning, in this time, Lord, we want to hear from you. 
and learn more what it means to be those who seek to follow you closely and to do your will and to see your kingdom come here in this place. We ask this in your name. Amen. Joshua, thank you very much for the verses you share. Joshua chapter 1 verse 9 is a great encouragement and strength, and certainly I know for me personally is also one that is a regular place of refuge. Um, I'm glad Nigel mentioned about the display behind me. I would have hate you have thought any sense that it in any way connected to what I was going to say this morning. Um, there's enough weight of expectation on me without saying that. Um, Nigel's comment about the, the light coming through the tunnel reminds me of the story of uh, the pastor who preached uh, to his congregation one Sunday about going through some of those difficult times in life. And he said that often we find ourselves in a tunnel and it just seems long and dark and never-ending. And he says, always keep looking for the light at the end of the tunnel. He thought he'd done a good job. And then one of his congregation drew him aside afterwards and said, Pastor, you know, my experience has been that when I'm in a tunnel and I see a light coming towards me, it's usually just another train. <laughs> For some probably quite strange reason in 2020, given that not too far into the year, we were in the middle of a pandemic. Um, one company who were involved in the promotion and encouragement of wedding ceremonies and all that went with it, did a survey on some of the songs that people play at weddings, their favorite choices. Because Karen and I celebrated our 36th wedding anniversary this week past. Just come on, a round of applause, I think, for, for Karen at least, if not for me also. Um, 36 years, I'm making no comment, thank God. Um, I, was, I was looking and thinking about some of these songs and quite struck. Um, number one, that is maybe not played in services, but certainly at the after event, is I Can't Help Falling in Love with You by Elvis Presley, of course, by the king himself. Number two was Everything I Do, I Do for You, Brian Adams, Robin Hood film. And then a more recent one, one that I didn't know, one called Simply Perfect by Ed Sheeran. The survey went on to actually break down, and don't ask me how they did this, but they had somehow managed to find out a correlation between which songs were played and the success or the duration of the ongoing marriages. Yes, absolutely. That's even more interesting. The songs that seem to be correlated to those who, whose partnerships and marriage lasted a long time, top of the list was the way you look tonight. Any suggestions? Say that again. Frank Sinatra. 
And second to that was Isn't She Lovely by Stevie Wonder. The songs that were not helpful, I was going to say successful, but I'll not go there, were Little Things by One Direction. Yes, that got a few laughs. Um, and most peculiar of all after that was a song called Chasing Cars by Snow Patrol. Exactly, did Banger's own Snow Patrol. Um, if you know anything about Chasing Cars, then please explain to me afterwards why that would be a good song to play at a wedding. That's lost on me. This morning, I want us to look at the passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I want us to use a poem that was originally written and then was turned into a hymn. Charles Wesley, who was a Church of England clergyman, was the author of so many hymns that we continue to use. And Charles met and fell in love with a young girl called Sarah Gwynne. He called her Sally. And she went on to become Charles's wife. And Charles wrote a poem. He was a great hymn writer, and he wrote poems to his wife. And I believe that's a great successful way to also add to the richness of your relationship. And so good were the words of this poem that Charles wrote for Sally that his brother John, who was also a Church of England clergyman, and two of the two brothers was the organizer. Charles brought the spiritual enthusiasm and power and passion to the Methodist movement. He wrote those hymns of devotion and piety, but John was the organizer. John saw the practical ways and enforced those and brought them to bear so that Methodism grew to be a movement of renewal. And John saw the words of this hymn and he believed that they could be changed from the words of a poem, of a love poem, to the words of a hymn that could bring encouragement and strength and also teach some scripture truths. And that is one of the great things about many, many of our hymns. They are a way of teaching us the scriptures and they cause those words to stay in our hearts and minds that they can be used by God. And John Wesley saw a connection between the words of a love poem and scripture and the relationship of Jesus Christ to his church and of his church to him. Maybe, Flo, we could have that first slide up, and these are the first two verses of this hymn. I'm not sure where anybody recognize it. No, it's, it's not, it's not, Robert. Um, it's not, it's a great hymn and some lovely tunes to it. So what I'm going to do is just guide us through some thoughts in 1 Corinthians 12 and try and find reflections, images of them in this love poem. These first two verses, Thou God of truth and love, we seek thy perfect way, ready thy choice to approve, thy providence to obey. Enter into thy wise design and sweetly lose our will in thine. Why hast thou cast our lot in the same age and place? And why together brought to see each other's face? To join with loving sympathy and mix our friendly souls in thee. And already, as we think about those words, you can see the connection. You can see how if they were personalized, put in the first person, they could apply to a love poem. But equally, you can see as we put them into the we, the us, 
ready thy choice to approve, thy providence to obey. And why hast thou cast our lot in the same age and place? Paul, in writing to the Christians in Corinth, knew he had to address so many challenges that they faced. These young new believers who had heard the good news about Jesus, who by the power and operation of God's Holy Spirit in their lives now wanted to follow that Jesus, were facing the problems of how their lives should be different. And they wanted them to be different. And they found challenges. How should they engage with idol worship? How should their relationships be different? In what way did being a disciple of Jesus mean things had to be different? And Paul, writing to them here in this passage in particular, uses this metaphor of a body and of its many parts to describe the relationship that individual Christians have with each other and also with Christ. In verse 18, Paul says, as it is, God has arranged each part of the body as he has chosen. But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Our place, if we follow Jesus in the body of Christ, is not something of our choosing. That's the first thought. I know that I can look back over my Christian experience, as I'm sure you can, and you can think about the church that you went to, maybe as a child or growing up, the church you maybe were married in or you attended funerals in, the church that you attended um, as you grew and developed as a Christian, and those may well be that place, may be this place, or it may be a number of places. But in each of those places, Paul is saying that God has a choice. God has placed each part of the body as he chooses. And I would be convinced that not only relates to how we click into the body, not only how we fit and our gifting and our personality, but I think it also apply, applies geographically. And I believe that if you and I are part of this congregation of believers here, that if we have followed Christ and seek to find his place for us, that his choice, his plan, and his foreknowledge means that we are here. God has placed each part of the body just as he chooses. Just as with creation, just as with so many things in the economy of Scripture, God is the initiator and the director. The shorthand way the Bible describes that is to say that God is sovereign. And God is sovereign in where we worship and in the people we worship beside and in those who we serve with and in those we seek to get to know. And sometimes that is a pleasant and a good experience. Sometimes we find in the places that God puts us, we find satisfaction. We find a place to serve God in a way that satisfies something deep within us. We find relationships that meet a need or needs we didn't know we possessed. 
But that's not always the case. Sometimes, sometimes we find it easier to say, as so many people, and I think increasingly more nowadays, say, I'm fine with following Jesus, but the church, not so sure about that. And I know for many of us, one of the sad, sad outcomes of the pandemic is those whom we once knew as brothers and sisters, those whom we still love, perhaps as friends or family, no longer meet together with other Christians. Maybe you've never felt it. Maybe you know somebody who has. But sometimes the thought of following Jesus without the church can be appealing. And yet Paul says, God has placed every part of the body as he chooses it. It's why Wesley would write, ready thy choice to approve. You don't write that unless you struggle with it. You don't write that if there's a moment or moments when you say, I'm not sure, Lord, that you've placed me here. One of the great things of our generation is we've access to so many Christian resources and teaching. We can go to the, to the internet, we have YouTube, we have teaching from across the face of the planet, we have podcasts, we have so many Christian books and resources available, and they're all, so many of them are of great benefit, not all of them, so many, we need to use wise discernment in accessing them, but it's a, it's a richness that we can have access to but there can be a challenge with it. And one of the challenges is that we can compare some of the things we see. Now, again, I'm looking out this morning thinking maybe none of you experience any of this. So if you are, humor me. Just say, that's just Colin. God's working in Colin. Maybe you've watched some of those YouTube videos and you see these massive choirs and they sing these songs with enthusiasm and with spirit, and the orchestra, like the choir here this morning, the orchestra sitting in the pit, and the volume is, is tremendous, but not just the volume, there's the sense of being in God's presence. You just say, oh, if funny we were like that. Maybe you never say that. Or maybe you listen to some of those podcasts, and, and you hear some teaching, and you just say, oh, that's so good. Not so short. You know, I wish. And I can say this, Nigel, as a preacher, I'm okay. Sometimes people say, gosh, I wish it was a bit shorter, or I wish it was a bit clearer, or I wish it was a bit simpler. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, in his book, Life Together, which talks about life together talks of the challenge of belonging to the body of Christ. And he talks about something that he calls the Christian wish dream. And he's talking about the challenge of finding our place in the body of Christ and neither bringing to that experience nor while there seeking for something that God has not chosen and I'll let Bonhoeffer speak in his own words. He says, every wish dream that is injected into the Christian community is a hindrance to genuine community and must be banished 
if genuine community is to survive. Those who love their dream of a church more than the church itself become a destroyer of the latter. And he warns us to say, God has sovereignly chosen where we are. And there may well be temptations to think, if only, if only we were bigger or smaller, if only worship were louder or quieter, if only the songs were older or newer, if only the sermons were shorter or longer, simpler or more deep. Wesley said, why hast thou cast our lot in the same age and place, and why together brought to see each other's face? Finding our place, both physically and also in terms of how God joins us to others, is in part a resignation to God, a yielding to him, to his sovereign choice and perfect plan. Maybe we could move on to the next flow then, uh, the next uh, slide flow. Did thou not make us one, is what the top line says there, together, that we might one remain, together travel on and bear each other's pain till all thy utmost goodness prove and rise renewed in perfect love. Surely thou didst unite our kindred spirit here that all hereafter might before thy throne appear. Meet at the marriage of the Lamb and all thy glorious love proclaim. And then maybe the final slide flow. Then let us ever bear the blessed end in view and join with mutual care to fight our passage through and kindly help each other on till all receive thy starry crown. O oh, may thy spirit seal our souls unto that day with all thy fullness fill and then transport away, away to our eternal rest, away to our Redeemer's breast. Paul talks in 1 Corinthians 12, not only of knowing God placing us in the body, but he also refers to the fact that in the body, that God's desire and goal and aim is that we grow in a sense of knowing our brothers and sisters in Christ so that we suffer together and we rejoice together. When one member suffers, all suffer. When one member rejoices or has cause to be glad or happy, all members suffer with that other member. Even here this morning, and we have such a good number here this morning, there's no way that we can all get to know each other. But God places us in the body of Christ in a way that he wants us to connect at a level with some people that is more than just being able to say hello. And more also even than being able to share some of the difficulties of life. One of the real blessings of this congregation is that we are so good at caring for each other in the significant challenges of life. And maybe many of you can think of instances as you sit here this morning of this church or maybe of many other churches where life has brought its challenges to you and it's tested your faith 
and God has ministered to you. He has spoken to you. The hands of love that he has reached out are the hands of other believers. And we have so much to be thankful for God in that. And yet I think that the image here that Paul uses is not just of the emergencies and crises of life, but it is, is it not as one person said, life together? Sharing our lives. One Christian author has noted that for many of us, our Christian faith is most sorely tried, not in the great things and challenges of life, but in the small, private, quiet things, the ongoing health challenges, the insecurity that we may feel financially or in employment, the frustration in unfulfilled dreams, in good and godly desires not yet brought to fullness. I don't know about you, but I find those things testing. Are those not the things that fill our thoughts first thing in the morning when we waken? Or perhaps when we are awake in the night, are there also to accompany us? Paul says, when one part suffers, all parts suffers. When one part rejoices, all rejoices. And I think there is a challenge for us here, an example to emulate. Wesley said, let's ever bear the blessed end in view and join with mutual care to fight our passage through and kindly help each other on till all receive the starry crown. When God places us in that body of Christ, when he connects us to those people who are our closest connections and joints and fellow members and parts in the body, it is that we might kindly help each other on, help each other to fight through Yes, the great things, but the small things as well. Yes, the things that will come and for a period of time will cloud our skies of our lives and leave us emotionally and physically and mentally drained, but also the ongoing small things, the things that constantly push us back upon God. And God says, I desire in the body that you would share these things. I think there is a challenge here for us as we seek to do that. And how do we do that? What will that look like? Somehow, in ways that will be unique and distinct for each of us, we need to ask God to show us, where do I fit in your body? Who are the people who are around me? Who are the ones that you have chosen that when I fit into this wonderful image of the body of Jesus, these are my closest connections? It's very practical. Yes, God will direct and God will choose and he will choose and direct wisely and perfectly. But to be a part of the body means to find those connections. There are many ways we can do them. 
it would be wrong not to mention our life groups here or our marsh groups here in our congregation. A place to, yes, meet around focused on the Word of God, but also a place to begin to discover, to discover who that person is across the way in the room from me, to discover what is their background, where do they go for holiday, what do they do, what are their likes and what are their dislikes. We need to spend time. The only way we will get to know each other is to spend time. It may be in that sort of format. It may be in something smaller. It may be in something like a, a prayer triplet, where maybe you will commit to meeting regular with maybe two other believers. And fortnightly, monthly, you will meet together. It may well be that your schedule allows you to do it during the day. It may well be that you have to do it first thing in the morning or later in the evening. But to meet and to meet around God's Word and to get to know and to share. Kindly help each other on till all receive the starry crown. We will not do it alone, nor does God want us to do it alone. He wants us to find the body and how we connect to that. And how do we do this? How do we take on to consideration the warning not to have a wish dream and to look for the perfect? And how do we find where God wants us to connect, how he wants us to connect and whom he wants us to connect to? Two things. It is the work of God's Spirit to help us. If you ever find yourself in the place in the Christian life where you say, Lord, I cannot do this, that is the best possible place to be, isn't it? To feel, Lord, I'm at the end of my tether. I, I don't know how to do this. Or even if you're sitting here this morning thinking, Colin, that sounds so easy to you, and you're maybe the sort of person you can do that, and I can tell you I'm not. Oh, may thy spirit seal our souls unto that day. This is a work as with so many areas in our walk with Jesus where we must rely on God, the Holy Spirit. And when we come to him and we say, I cannot do this, it is that perfect place for there is no longer any sense of our confidence, our own strength, our own abilities, our ability to plan or to manufacture or to do, but simply to receive the strength of the Spirit. Whatever challenge we face, whatever God now or in any day in the future asks you, you or I to do, the best place to begin is, Lord, I can't do this alone. Send your spirit to me. And then finally, just one thing to say. Oh, may thy spirit seal our souls unto that day. How long, how long do we seek to serve, to fit in, to share in fellowship, to share our lives? Probably, more than likely, until we die, or until the Lord comes back. This is not a class that we ever graduate out of. This is not something that we can ever say, I've earned the badge. 
I've learned the lessons, A to Z. I've passed the class. I'm no longer a learner driver. I can get out there and do it on my own. Oh, may thy spirit seal our souls unto that day. We will need the help of God's spirit, not only beginning today, but right to the end, until he comes back or until he calls us to his presence. Oh, may thy spirit seal our souls unto, thy day, unto that day with all thy fullness fill and then transport away, away to our eternal rest, away to our Redeemer's breast. It's not bad for a love poem. Sure it's not. And it came from the heart and mind of a man who not only the love of a wife and a partner that God had blessed him with, but a man who, along with his brother and so many others, discovered this is also about following Jesus, about following and being part of the group of those who love Jesus and who want to see him come back and to be ready for that and to be joined with the body. When Jesus returns, that will be a corporate experience. The Bible doesn't tell us how, but we'll do it together. We will all together see it because he comes not for individuals, but he comes for the bride, the body of Christ, us, you, and me together. He's coming for us together. Not just for me, not by looking and saying, where's Colin? Where's Nigel? Where's Roger? Where's Manny? He's not looking. He's looking for the bride. Oh, may thy spirit seal our souls unto that day. Let's pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, we, we look with eager anticipation for the day when you will bring the fullness of your kingdom to this world, to this world of sadness and sorrow and pain and suffering. And we look forward, Jesus, even more to seeing you face to face as the bridegroom comes for his bride, the body of Christ. We thank you for joining us to each other. We thank you for your good and loving purposes and plans in that, to bless us, to grow us, and to mature us so that we experience the fullness of life you have for us. Lord Jesus, seal our souls by your Spirit until that day, for we ask it in your name and for your glory. Amen.